You're listening to Innovating Smart, stories of sustainability for tomorrow's innovators. Explore all of our stories at innovatingsmart.org. What is smart? Smart is system savvy, managed intelligently, adaptive, regenerative, and trusted. These are our design principles for a sustainable world. Welcome to Innovating Smart. Today, we're speaking with Willie Paul, Willie is a publisher and eco-alchemist. His innovations include sacredpermaculture.net, uh, openmythsource.com, and planetshifter.com magazine. Um, I've had the privilege of being interviewed for planetshifter.com magazine and enjoyed that process very much. And I'm happy today to um, turn the tables and speak with Willie about the innovative work that he's doing. One of Willie's passions is mythology and re-enlivening um, and bringing consciousness to mythology today. Another passion is sustainability, and in particular, a movement referred to as permaculture, which has sustainability at its very center. So we'll be speaking about mythology and permaculture and how they operate together and what is possible for the future with Willie today. So welcome again, Willie. My first question for you is just to tell our audience a little bit more about this innovative space that you're operating in and how it relates to sustainability. Well, um, I pride myself on getting out of the box, even though I'm, I'm sort of in a box today. I'll go. <laughs> um, I am trying to work collaboratively across the planet. I, I invite guest writers into my, my works uh, all the time. I have interns. Um, I'm very much aware of my, my creative process and, and involving other voices. Um, if I talk about mythology, that's probably the highest creative process I have to offer. I've written eight myths. Um, I'm also interested in different arch archetypes and alchemies and uh, have produced tools for kids to try to uh, get them out of the computer and on a piece of paper to draw and write and, and write new uh, stories. So um, all, this, all this work has, has culminated now into a, a focus on permaculture and helping that evolve as quickly as possible. And I'll talk more about that. So you're a modern myth writer. Yes, yes. Based on Campbell's Heroes, Initiation, Journey, uh, I am writing new myths and, and actively looking for feedback on them, yeah. Say more about what myths really are. You know, in our culture, we often use the word uh, myth to refer to something that people think is true but really isn't. And we use the word mythology to refer to uh, old stories that may or may not matter anymore. Um, I share your belief, actually, that myths are um, perhaps the things that are the most true if they're really living myths and, um, and believe that we, we live in mythologies consciously or not, whether we know it or not. Um, say a little bit about, more about your thoughts about what myths are and how they work in our lives and why they matter. Well, I'm purposely writing guidelines to the future. 
that really kind of sums up my my perspective on myth writing. We have to get prepared for a new world, and this uh, transition we're in now um, can either be successful or it can fail. But we need stories, and we need to take risks, and we need to consider where we're going, and we need new tools, new songs and symbols to spur us on and to spur our imagination. So this, uh, this mythology I'm, I'm writing is uh, an auger for uh, a future place, and I'm hoping to land in the right one with some other folks, for sure. Mm -hmm. What are some of the visions that you uh, describe in some of the myths for the future? Well, in the Permaculture King, I talk about this old man who has a, a shack in the corner of a schoolyard, and he's teaching the kids uh, about gardening, composting, uh, reuse, recycling. He is a modern-day um, Oz, Oz without a, without a curtain. Uh, I've also written a story uh, about uh, the year 2045 in Oakland and uh, a man who creates a machine to clean the air, uh, to also drive a, a battery pack, and then to produce compost for his community. Uh, he lives in an old abandoned garage or a two-level two garage park in downtown Oakland. So um, I'm trying to fit uh, these lessons and these initiations and these maps within a modern context. And uh, I just don't see that any other place. I don't see it in classic Greek mythology or Norse mythology. And that's right. really just not interested in those. Now, when I read classical myth, uh, Greek mythology, I, w one way of reading it for me has been to think I'm hearing a story about some particular individuals and their particular um, uh, life arc and their particular drama that other humans find interesting. Um, but I've come to understand that, that in fact, those stories aren't about those individuals. Those stories are about people and very sort of common and, um, well, literally archetypal experiences that humans have as conveyed through the experiences of a particular set of characters with names and relationships. If I take that understanding and apply it to the stories that you're writing, then in some ways you're writing not just about an old man in the corner shack of the schoolyard, but about the, the, the practice, the, the, the widespread human cultural practice of, of uh, teaching about composting and, and uh, living cycles as uh, permeated through our education system. Is, is that a correct understanding of, of uh, the, 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 the big vision that the concrete stories are um, offering? Yeah, I, I would assume Joseph Campbell would would be both applauding and shrieking t to read the stuff I write. <laughs> um, say more about that. I I would I would say that I want people to see themselves in these stories, to take lessons away about science and about the transition and about new tools. But you know, it, I do I do want people to see a universal value. 
a sort of mm, archetypical, archetypical value as well. And obviously, I'm not shy about wanting to be talking and writing about the sacred and about the mystical. Uh, some permaculturists, some sustainability people would uh, run away from uh, the sacred, uh, at least publicly. So I'm, uh, yeah, I'm trying to hit these things on multiple levels, and, and I agree with your analysis completely. Great. So, so, so these are really universal stories, but as you point out, the way a universal story um, actually shows up in the world is through the very personal stories of individuals who are living universal stories in their own personal way, on their own personal uh, uh, path, if you will. Yeah, well, you know, Oakland is the same as Berlin, it's the same as Buenos Aires. Uh, the planet has just dramatically changed since Campbell was writing his books and doing his research. So uh, my myths have to uh, have to be more global, instantly, right. to make sense to me. Yeah. Right. Now, uh, tell us a little bit more about the permaculture movement itself and um, a little bit more about its principles. You mentioned uh, several of the principles as they show up in the, in the permaculture myths that you've been writing. Um, but, but tell us a little bit more about what those core principles are and why they are so important right now. Well, um, I'm going to be taking my permaculture uh, training this summer, so um, I'll know a lot more about it specifically. But what I know about permaculture and uh, permaculturists is that they are highly sensitive to um, uh, natural resources, reuse of those resources, designing with the lay of the land, um, and being sensitive in terms of how they improve the economic uh, and agricultural structures on the land. Um, they're not using uh, Monsanto's vision of gene manipulation and, and, and lawyers. They're using localization, and uh, they are they're people who want to be self-sufficient without being survivalists. So right. um, they're, they're, they're sort of small ego folks, um, and they're most often very generous with uh, their, their experiences, and they want to teach folks and get everybody on board. Um, so I, I sort of refer to permaculturists as, as tool users and, and designers, um, and that's kind of a limited, a limited scope, I think, for moving ahead. Again, with the transition, I think permaculture can talk to governance. It can talk about new commercial um, systems like bartering. Um, it could also move into helping us look at community building outside of these small small islands of gardens and other systems they produce. There's a wider structure here, a wider opportunity with permaculture. Uh, and of course, one of the things that I'm focusing on right now is driving myths, what sort of alchemy types there are, and, and how we can talk about the sacredness of nature within the permacultural rank. Say a little bit more about alchemy. 
Well, I've developed about seven new types of alchemies. Uh, they range from sound alchemy, community alchemy, um, other types. Those are all in that Joseph Campbell Foundation website uh, piece. Um, alchemy to me is, is, strikes me as a, a new way to talk about the spirit in a proactive, uh, a really positive way to talk about it. And I, and I hasten to add that I'm, I'm eager to get past the, the uh, formal religious uh, dogma about uh, spirituality. Um, I'm trying to get past that. I think the transition demands it. We need to look at alchemy in the sense and recharge it because uh, it's, a, it's a, a great imaginative process. As we talked about uh, first off here, uh, it's, a, it's an innovative spark to me. And I, I try to look at a spiritual alchemy, a global alchemy, whenever I can, to offer up a new way of looking at a spiritual process, a spiritual support. Excellent. I, I very much share uh, that view and and I, I share your, your comfort with uh, talking about uh, the spiritual and the necessity of doing that. Um, in my own uh, career, um, the, in the early days I was doing a lot of work to help with the commercialization of the internet. Um, and uh, later in life I actually studied transpersonal psychology as a form of psychology that really embraces the spiritual as a core part of humanity, um, having very little necessarily to do with, with religiosity, but, um, but that spirituality is really the meaning-making part of being a human being. And so um, um, having some new ways to talk about the ways we make meaning you know, the, the, the games that we take on to play, um, our definitions of, of, of success and what we strive for and what meaning we give that is actually very, very central to what all of us um, are doing. And, and we, we do need new ways, I think, to talk about that. So I'm really happy about the work that, that you're doing in that regard. Cool. Just to say a little bit more, um, about um, permaculture and its practice today, um, what innovations are supporting the permaculture movement, if any, in addition to your own? Uh, in addition to my own, hmm. Well, I, there, there's a lot of cross fertilization between climates and climate types. Uh, people up north are developing new structures, new processes, new gray water systems, for instance, and sharing it with the people in South America. So the internet is playing a key role in this uh, information transfer for permacultural uh, tools and design science. Um, obviously, the, perm the, the uh, internet is also allowing people to find projects, find communities, uh, and go uh, do internships and do trainings. So I think that that pollination, global pollination is critical. Yes. In, in terms of what is outside my own particular you know, sphere. Excellent. 
So Willie, our time is almost up, but I would like to just um, invite you as sort of a final um, some summary sort of thought to, to leave our listeners with. If you could tell us sort of like in a sentence, um, what is the narrative or the mythological narrative of permaculture that you are putting out into the world and would like to leave people with? Is there, is there a, a sentence or two about what that narrative is that you'd like to leave our listeners with today? Sure. As I said in this article I'm referring to, um, there are some foundational um, elements that have influenced me in my myth and alchemy writings. Uh, those two things are rock music, which has brought symbology and sonic uh, qualities and, and inspiration uh, to, the, to the planet and continues to do that. Also, there is a movement about uh, dark green religion. Um, a fellow uh, named Taylor I interviewed, he has a great book about uh, this new nature religion and uh, its uh, impact on uh, lots of things, including the sacred and the permaculture. So it's important to look at um, the dynamic of how, how, this is, how this has come to be and, and infuse you know, all this reality, uh, check in uh, to move forward. Uh, permaculture is a complicated cultural phenomenon uh, and, and it needs this holistic viewpoint for sure. For sure. So are you going to be writing us a, a rock music song um, about permaculture? <laughs> no, I'll probably write some crazy poetry sometime later, late at night, but that's about as far as I go. So uh, uh, you, just, you just need to find a, a guitarist to, uh, to, to do the other half, right? That's correct. I'm looking. Cool. Well, I, I look forward to hearing it when, if that ever happens. I would love, love to hear it. Okay. Thank you so, so much, Willie. Really, really enjoyed talking with you today. Well, I look forward to uh, more conversations, Sue. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks to Willie Paul for talking with us today. Visit planetshifter.com, sacredpermaculture.net, and openmythsource.com. I am Sue Liebeck. This story was directed and produced by myself and produced also by Alex Kawashima, Natalie Forsyth, and Christopher Gonzalez. Music courtesy of Triplexity. With support from our sponsors, Plant Trust, Preservation of Land for Agricultural Needs, Sustainovation, business for the world we share, Silicon Valley Innovation Associates, and Starnet, harnessing the power of partnership. Music